Wonderful. Whoa, there we go. Both of them are on. Super. Uh, good morning. Can you hear me okay? Excellent. I might take my hat off. It's a bold move, but it feels a little bit restrictive. Um, welcome. Welcome to our Good Friday service. Uh, welcome to those who are here in the playground of the school. Uh, welcome to those who are watching online. Um, it's good to see you. My name is Richard. I'm one of the leaders at Kingfisher Church. Uh, I might step this way a little bit. Does that help? Yeah, brilliant. Um, great. Um, this is, um, uh, uh, I guess, a new phase for us as a church. It's the first service we've been allowed to sing together outside, which is why we're in the cold, um, apart from the little break we had at Christmas. Um, it's going to be good for us to do that, good for us to be able to hear one another. And just some kind of housekeeping stuff before we really get started. If you do need to use the toilets, um, if you go in through this door um, and then follow the school through to the toilets we normally use, um, children, please do be accompanied by an adult. That is important. We don't want people wandering around the school. Um, uh, at, the, at the end of the service, um, there is a little something for the children, um, a gift from Iris. Um, so if you're a child, please don't leave before you have been gifted. Um, uh, children can self-define on that one, I think. That's, that's good. Right. Brilliant. Um, excellent. Uh, it is Good Friday today. Um, on that first Good Friday, Luke records that it was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining. Now, this is a service, a special service on Good Friday when we meet to think about the Lord Jesus and to think about what happened on that darkest of days. So I'm going to pray for us as we begin. Our Father in heaven, as we come together this morning on this Good Friday, we ask that you would help us and help us to remember. Help us to remember that day when the sun couldn't shine. Help us to remember when the Son of God, the Lord of glory, the beloved of heaven, remember when he was crucified. And we tread on holy ground as we think about these things. So we ask that you would lift our eyes, lift our thoughts to Jesus as we come together this morning. Amen. We are going to sing together. Um, yes, brilliant. Um, our first song, and um, we're going to remember the story of that darkest day. Um, if you didn't get words, um, they were linked in the email sent out, so I hope you have got some words to look at. Um, otherwise, I don't know what we'll do. Um, great. Um, let's stand together, shall we, and sing, Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day. Stay. 
take your seat. Uh, when uh, Luke in the Bible begins his account of Jesus's life, he says that he has carefully investigated everything from the beginning to write an orderly account. And uh, we're going to pick up Luke's account on that first Good Friday. And uh, what has happened is that the night before Jesus shared the Passover meal with his disciples, 
from there he went to the Mount of Olives to pray and there he was arrested by the officials. And then through the night he's been moved about the city, taken from authority to authority. A pilot, the Roman governor, couldn't find anything wrong with him. Uh, and so he offered to the crowds to have him beaten and released, an innocent man. Now that's the kind of justice that is on offer. Uh, yeah, the crowd wasn't satisfied. The crowd wanted blood. And so Pilate released a convicted murderer, and a condemned man. He condemned a man who he knew was innocent to go to death. Uh, James is going to come and read us a little bit of Luke's account. Um, as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it um, behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves, for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that have never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if the people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Thank you, James. Uh, we pick up the events of Good Friday with a man who is broken. Uh, he is beyond exhaustion. He's been without sleep. He's under immense psychological strain. He's been beaten. It seems now he lacks the strength to carry his cross. So this bystander gets grabbed and gets drawn into this grotesque drama. You think, well, what must be going through Jesus' mind as this happens? It's a terrible scene, and it arouses great sympathy. We're told there's this large group of people. It includes women who mourned and wailed for him. These women see his plight and their, their hearts are torn. Sadness pours out of them for him. And yet what pours from Jesus in these moments? He turns to these women and he says, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children. What do you make of that? I think two things demand to be noticed. First of all, uh, Jesus, he is physically spent at this point. His, his, his strength has gone and he's on his way to spend hours of agony dying on a cross. And in that moment of intense suffering, he is thinking about other people. I, I just find that staggering. No, I, I, I think I, I, I don't know whether you do, just find it so easy to get caught up with myself, especially when things are going badly. But Jesus is just astonishingly unlike me. He says to these women, he says, I don't need your sympathy because I know how much you need mine. A second thing, though, what, what does he mean about them weeping for themselves and their children? What, what's, what's, what's that about? He gets a little bit apocalyptic in his explanation as he says, for the time will come when you will say, blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us. And to the hills, cover us. Uh, Jesus is, is bringing to bear the significance of what has been uh, told in the Old Testament in the first part of the Bible. Uh, what has been told right from the very beginning is that sin will not go unpunished. Uh, the, the God who made the world is a holy God. He's a, 
He's a consuming fire who cannot bear to look upon sin. And so there will be a reckoning. And the reckoning will be beyond bearing. And Jesus is saying, when that comes, you would rather to be crushed by a mountain than face the judgment of God. So Jesus says, don't weep for me. You need to weep for yourselves. Are those same tears had stained Jesus' own face just a few days earlier. A few days earlier, he'd looked out over the city of Jerusalem and he'd wept. He had wept because so many people in the city were stubborn in their sin. And, and they thought they were okay. But Jesus knew they were on a path to destruction, so he wept for them. These things are hard for us, I think. We, we know, I guess, that the world is full of injustice. We see it all the time. And so, so when we hear in this account about the death of an innocent man, um, we, we kind of think, well, that's lamentable, but it's, it's acceptable because it kind of happens. But when Jesus draws our attention to God's judgment, I'm not sure that's how we want God to be. This prospect that Jesus points to is the destiny of all humanity because of our sin. The Bible is so very clear on this. The Bible is clear that on God's terms we have sinned and our sin puts us on a trajectory towards a place when we will scream for mountains to crush us rather than face what is coming, rather than face the justice of God. We've got to be so careful in how we think about God. I think our off, so often our default is we, we, we want to think about how God or about how Christianity fits with our lives. But, but if we're looking for something that's just going, to kind of, just going to confirm what we think or confirm how we feel, we're not going to find anything more than our own imagination. And, and yet when we read the Bible and we find that there is a God who tells us things we don't find comfortable, it could be that we're on a path to find things that are more wonderful than we have ever dreamed. And here is Jesus walking to his execution and he says to the crowds, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves. And he does this because he is tenderly directing people to their great peril. And so we must ask about ourselves. Now, Jesus doesn't want our sympathy. He doesn't need our sympathy. But how much do we need his? Now, we're going to sing again as we continue to reflect on what happened on that Good Friday. We're going to sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Let's stand together.
Please take your seats, and Andrew's going to come and read us the next bit of the Bible. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be, you will be with me in paradise. Thank you, uh, the group reached a place called the Skull. And it says they crucified him there. It was a form of execution devised to prolong the agony 
of the person dying. It, it could take days. Uh, and it was only for the lowest of the low. Uh, Roman citizens were, were never, they didn't even talk about it. They wouldn't even mention the word of it, let alone be subject to it. But there is Jesus. He's naked, he's nailed, and he's left. Uh, but, but he's not just left, is he? Because these vultures swoop in and they take turns to terrorize him. First of all, the rulers sneered. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And then the soldiers join in and they sniper him. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then even one of the criminals being crucified next to him joins in this jeering. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Did, did you hear what they say? Every single one of them. Save yourself, save yourself, save yourself. There's a double irony with this. Now, if anybody could have got down from that cross, it was the Lord Jesus. He'd given sight to the blind. He'd made the paralyzed walk. He'd raised the dead. He had commanded a storm to stop. And immediately the elements recognized the maker's voice and obeyed. He saved others, they mocked. And he did, and they couldn't deny it. Of course, he could have saved himself. A week earlier, he had cursed a fig tree and it withered. He could have cursed the dead wood of that cross and it would have dissolved under him. Now, we shouldn't be in any doubt he could have saved himself, but he didn't. Why not? In all that agony, as he was there suffocating on the cross, as his blood-soaked body heaved in pain and as his bones were being pulled out of joint, what held him on the cross? Well, we learn his heart when we listen to his words. What did he say? The first thing he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Who's he talking about? The rulers, the soldiers, the criminals with him? I don't know really. Yet what is astonishing is that on the cross, the heart of Christ yearns for others. Still, he's thinking about the needs of others. That's what held him there. And the mockers, they jabbed with their jibes. Aren't you supposed to be the savior? You saved others. Was that some kind of fluke? Just get on with the saving. And the irony, here's the double irony. He's doing just that. To get off the cross would be to stop the saving. Uh, on the road, when Jesus told the women to weep for themselves, directing them tenderly to their great peril. Uh, in all this scene at the cross, there is one who got what he meant, who saw what it meant to weep like that. It's the second criminal. You hear what he said? First of all, he spoke to the other criminal who's insulting Jesus. He says to him, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. That this man sees that in the punishment of Rome that he's under, that's why he's on the cross. But he sees in that that it is the just judgment of God falling on him for what he has done. There is a sense in which he weeps because he knows he faces the wrath of God. He's under no illusion that he cannot save himself. And then he turns to the man hanging next to him and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And in this cesspool of unbelief, there is this eternity defining moment. The simple faith of a dying man is met with the saving power of another. He says to Jesus, remember me. It's a believing expectation that Christ Jesus can save despite the fact that he's dying, even through that dying and beyond it into paradise. Now think about what that criminal sees as he turns to Jesus on the cross. What is it that fills his believing sight? 
Now, doesn't he see that the man next to him is innocent? He says it, doesn't he? This man has done nothing wrong. And yet he sees this innocent man is under the same judgment as the criminals, under the judgment of God. And if this innocent one is not bearing the penalty for his own crimes, then for who? There comes his saving sight. If Christ suffers the judgment of God on the way to his kingdom, and if he doesn't deserve that judgment, might it just be, says this criminal in his heart, that he would take it for those he remembers on the way? See, they said to Jesus, save yourself. And the irony was that he was the only one who could. Now, if somebody says to me, save yourself, if someone says to you, save yourself, it would be just as cruel. But what can we do? Or we can't save ourselves. But like that criminal on the cross, we can ask Jesus to remember us. So we're going to sing again. Really cold. And we're going to sing again and remember the great grace open to us at the cross. There is grace awaiting me. suffered in my place now there is grace awaiting me awaiting me judgments done atonements made the ransoms paid no guilt remains now there is grace awaiting me awaiting me
I will see the world to come despite the sin that I have done. For there is grace awaiting me, awaiting me. For who call upon the Lord will rise to life with peace assured. For there is grace awaiting me, awaiting me. Grace, a welcome from the Father. Grace, forgiveness, full and free. Grace. Greater than our failings, oh, there is grace awaiting me. Please take your seats. Sue Jane's going to come and read our next little bit. was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun had stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two Jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands I commit my spirit when he had said this he breathed his last the centurion seeing what had happened praised God and said Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man called Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloths, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee (coughs) followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandments. Thank you, Sue Jane. As we consider this morning the events of that first Good Friday, we, we need to be asking ourselves, what do we make of this? What... What is our response as we hear about these things? Uh, We must reckon personally with these things. Jesus said, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. And he wanted them to see what is true of all of us, that our sin puts us on this path, this trajectory, towards a place where where, where we will scream for the mountains to crush us because that is preferable to facing the judgment of God. For for us to consider God as he is, is not a comfortable thing. There are things about God that are deeply disturbing, that are hard for us to accept, that are scary for us. We wouldn't invent a God like this. 
And yet on the cross, there is something that occurred which, which sounds too immense to be real. Let's look at it for a moment. You see, that terrible justice of God, that justice that if we could see it properly, we would prefer to be crushed by a mountain than to face it. On the cross, Jesus Christ faced it for us as he was crushed. But that's what was happening when the sun stopped shining. The sun failed and darkness fell because the unimaginable horror of God's justice came down. Why? It's because the heart of Christ is the heart of God. He loves perfectly. He loves for the best of others. His love turns out to the need of others. And so on the cross, he gave himself to save his people. And in that moment, there was a great sign. We hear about it as the writer says, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. You see, right in the center of the, of the temple, it represented the presence of God and it was shut off with a great curtain. This great physical reminder that humanity has no access to the presence of the holy. The, a sign that says the gates to paradise are locked shut because of our sin. And then when the innocent one, that the one who knew no sin willingly took upon himself the sin of his people and gave himself to be crushed under the judgment of God. The result is that the curtain was torn in two. The result is that the gates to paradise were burst open, that the love of God could not be contained as it reached out, reached out to gather all who would look to Christ, all who would say to Christ as the dying thief did, remember me. And because of the cross of Christ, that cry for rescue is met with words of inestimable comfort. Today, you will be with me in paradise, said Jesus. As it were, he said, I'm just going to go and open the gates. I'm just going to go and create access for all who would come. Because that's what the tearing of the curtain proclaims. It proclaims that this work of Christ achieves for us full and free forgiveness for our sins. The total removal of any fear of judgment of God. A certain hope of eternity in paradise with God. The end of our shame, the end of our guilt, the end of our sorrow, the end of our suffering, the end of death itself. Things that might sound too immense to be real. We wouldn't invent a God like this. One who would be born as a man, born to die. And then on the third day, we'll get there on Sunday. Sunday's coming. Not there yet. But the cross of Christ doesn't permit us to have a neutral response. Paradise or judgment awaits. And the simple difference is those who recognize they cannot save themselves but look to Jesus. Who put their trust in Jesus and say to him, remember me. Remember me. The, the, the thief on the cross didn't have all his questions answered. So much that he wouldn't have understood but he knew one thing. Only Jesus could save him so he said, remember me. So what about you? What's your response? Well, Jesus set out a way for us to respond. He, he told about it the night before he died. He, he said to share in a simple meal. He, he said, I want you to take some bread and remember my body. And I want you to break it because that's what will happen to my body. And then I want you to eat it because I want you to remember that my death was for your benefit. And then he said, take some drink from the vine and remember my blood because my blood will be poured out. And then he said, drink it, because I want you to remember that my death was for your benefit. And these very simple elements, a bit of bread, a bit of 
um, wine, grape juice, helps us to have a saving sight of the Lord Jesus. So we are going to work our way to sharing this meal together. Um, as we do that, we're going to sing a song which declares what it is that we believe and that sums up the creed of the church that has been confessed by believers for centuries. So let's stand and sing together. communion and 
take your seats. Uh, we're going to use um, these um, strange little cups. And this is the best kind of COVID safe way we can find to do this. They are not ideal, but we will make do. Uh, There remains something still pretty bittersweet about doing this together. We haven't been able to do this very much over the last year. Uh, And we're not all together. Some are still watching from home. Um, uh, We're not all being able to share physically in this. Uh, But as we come to this time, let's remember that this is a meal for those who weep for themselves, like Jesus said. That, that is, this is a meal which is for sinners. And if you don't think that you are a sinner, if you've got no concern for the judgment of God, then this is not a meal for you. Uh, but it's not a meal just for any sinners. Um, if you, it's for those who are like the thief on the cross, those who have no hope in themselves but look to Jesus. And and if you're trusting Jesus like that, then this meal is for you. If you're not sure about that, if you've not uh, done this before in this way, it might be that you just want to watch today, um, but I'd love to talk with you afterwards about it. Uh, Parents, do please take care of your own children. Again, if you're not sure whether or not it's appropriate for your children to take it, please don't worry. It's probably best they don't, um, but please do talk to me afterwards about that. And yet for all of us here, um, than those who are watching online. This is a chance for us to look carefully and, and to seek in our hearts to hold what is represented by these signs. Now, would you do that now? Now, would you look to Jesus now? Would you see Jesus nailed to the cross? Would you see him there with his heart that yearns for you? Or would you see his blood-stained brow, but his eyes of compassion turn to the one next to him? And would you hear him speak those words of assurance? Truly, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. And then see the sky turn black. Now, we cannot really speak of what happened in those dark hours. And yet, my friend, it happened for you. Because then he surrenders his spirit and breathed his last. And his holy heart stopped beating. He died for you. That's what we remember at this simple meal. We're going to say a prayer together if you're able to. Um, The words are on the the service sheet. It's a prayer of confession. Again, words which have been used uh, by the church for hundreds of years. They're quite old words. um, But they're words to express that we recognize that we are sinners. And we need the Lord Jesus. So the prayer of confession. If you're able, let's join together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against thee in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved thee with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of thy Son, Jesus Christ, Have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in thy will and walk in thy ways, to the glory of thy name. Amen. We're going to sing again a song which focuses us on this meal we take together. Behold the Lamb. Let's stand and sing together.
take your seats. Uh, We're going to pray again together. Um, If you're able, please do join in the words. Uh, The prayer of approach, again, it's it's an old prayer and prayed by Christians for many years. Um, What it expresses is what the thief did on the cross. Uh, It says that we're not going to come casually to this. This is too important. And we dare not trust anything that we can do. But all that we can do is to hope 
in the mercies of God and look to Jesus and ask that he remember us. So if you're able, let's join together in this prayer. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. As we see these things, as we taste, as we eat, and as we drink, let's call upon Christ to remember. If you just want to kind of open up the um, top flap of the little cup thing, and there's a little wafer hidden under there, and it's a little bit fiddly, especially if you've got cold hands. If it breaks, that's a good thing. That's what I've just done, it's broken mine. Great. Wonderful. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took some bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat and remember our Savior. And if we open up the next little flap. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink and proclaim the Lord's death with great thanksgiving. Our God Almighty, as we remember that first Good Friday, as we remember the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he suffered for us as we remember what forgiveness has been won for us so undeserved and yet so freely given. Would you turn our hearts to you in great adoration and thanksgiving and trust. Lord God, I pray that for each of us here this morning, each of us watching this morning, that you would especially impress upon our hearts the, the, the sufficiency of what Christ did for us. Lord, I pray that you would rise in our hearts the cry of that dying thief. Remember me. And may we hear those precious words of the Lord Jesus. You will be with me in paradise.
Amen. Uh, we are going to sing our closing song together. Um, Man of Sorrows. Let's stand and remember again the great love of the Lord in the gift of his son. Sorrows, Lamb of God, by His own betrayed, the sin of men and wrath of God has been on Jesus Silent as He stood.
We're going to be back here on Sunday morning to remember that empty tomb and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it'd be great to see you then. Um, we come to the end of our service, and please remember, um, we need to um, limit any kind of mingling between groups, um, so please avoid that um, until we're off the premises. That would be helpful. Please do take your rubbish away. That would be great. Um, children, um, uh, Iris very kindly has provided a gift for you, um, an Easter egg, um, which you'll be able to collect from where Phil is standing now. Phil, if you give a little wave, um, and I'll bring them over there. Brilliant. Uh, that is great. Um, as we close our service, remember this. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Sorrows, Lamb of God, by His own betrayed. The sin of man and wrath of God has been on Jesus Silent as He stood. Now the curse of sin has no hope.